Sons of Southland, Monday, July 26th, 2021. This is the addendum to the first episode that we did about the baseball team. Uh, this is the discussion that I have been dreading having the entire week, really the entire two weeks, because the posting about it has been so, so exhausting that I just, it, it, okay, do the, do the intro, to introduce the topic. All right, so in case you, uh, I guess, just got back from Mars with Elon Musk or, or were living under a rock or, or, or whatever, Texas and Oklahoma. Big damn rock, let me tell you. I mean, we're, we're a week into this chatter now. It seems like a done deal that those two schools are going to the Southeastern Conference. Yes? They are at least, in their own words, they do not intend to extend their grant of rights past 2025 and intend to evaluate all possible opportunities for competitive performance in their sports. That is not a direct quote. I paraphrased it probably also wrong, but that is a situation that is currently among us today. This is ostensibly a Georgia tech podcast. And if you want to extend, it is an ACC podcast, Mr. Grant, why are we talking about this? Because Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC creates an obvious and uh, clear, I guess, danger to the ACC. It, it creates an obvious need for the conference to do something, anything, because this sport is a money game these days. Texas and Oklahoma represent a lot of eyeballs. And even if that does mean you know, shredding, historic rivalries, Bedlam, Texas, whatever, whatever you have. Um, the ACC is already looking up the money mountain and seeing the Big Ten at, and the SEC at the top of the pile. Uh, and the only thing being locked in <laughs> longer than the yet-to-start SEC contracts length uh, that can fix that is something drastic, something different, um, Am I saying it's likely? I don't know. Do I have literally any sources other than the same thing that all of you wonderful people can look at? Posting. Never stop posting, Jake. Never stop posting. Please please keep posting. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I- No, I actually log off. Extra points, but like- Please log off sometimes because this week has been just, the posting has been too much. So- Too Too much speculation. Too much rampant speculation. I don't even want to unbox this 20-team SEC, Ohio State, Michigan to the SEC, Clemson, Florida State, wild. That, like, that, that's an that extra rumor is, I think that rumor was debunked. I was going to say, there, there's some limits here, right? We have some decency. Um, it's the Southeastern Conference. Decency doesn't exist. So before we crack into the ACC options, I would love to parrot something I heard uh, because it was a wonderful take. So with 16 teams in the SEC, they should simply split into two eight-team conferences called the Southeastern Conference and the Southwestern Conference. God, I hate you. (laughs) I knew you'd hate that. God, why? Time and conference realignment is a flat circle. It's a flat circle. And in that flat circle, I think at the top of the list, we need to talk West Virginia University. 
let's talk West Virginia University, but from the meme perspective, not from any sort of valid financial or fiscal logic. Because well, academics, Akshay. Okay, the academics is also technically a meme because last time when conference realignment came around, that was a deciding factor that their academics weren't as good. However, in the intervening as Pitt and Syracuse. At, in the intervening years, I am told from Reddit and other sources, uh, truly uh, redeemable and trustworthy sources there, um, that their academics have improved. I don't think they're an AAU member, but I also don't think the AAU member actually matters to anyone other than the Big, Big Ten. Um, but they are an option on the table. The uh, SB Nation blog, the what, they're the smoking musket, has yeah. been courting, has been like publicly trying to court the ACC for uh, West Virginia. It makes sense from a backyard brawl scheduling perspective, from like a Virginia Cup scheduling perspective, and from a let's put another team in the footprint that can travel to Pittsburgh and Syracuse reasonably well perspective. That has a lot of rivalries with half the conference: Louisville, Syracuse. Pittsburgh. The, the Big Virginia East will never die is what I'm hearing. I think I am first off thankful that you did not take my but my academics and go, but we let in Louisville considering uh, I now have family who attends the University of Louisville and I would have to smack you. Is she technically uh-huh. already? Is she, is she moved in technically? No, not until next month. Okay. Um, I can still make that joke and I will put that in the back pocket for later. Uh uh what was i gonna say no west virginia uh the backyard brawl uh pits uh pittsburgh versus west virginia is one of the best rivalries in the sport uh it was one of the most obvious uh tragedies uh lost when i guess rivalries went away you can talk nebraska all you want but texas texas and a&m it's not really a rivalry so i gotta rank west virginia they're not rivals they're not rivals they don't play each other jake they haven't played each other in in seven years or eight years um but and we can, we can save a soliloquy for the end, uh, but I won't be able to do it as well as Matt Brown and Brian Fisher. If you've not heard their emergency podcast on this, uh, go listen to Going for Two. They don't pay us anything, but we really like what they do. Um, other options for the ACC. West Virginia would be 15. The obvious 16th, as everyone knows and loves, has to be Notre Dame, right? Yeah. So with Notre Dame, here's here's the thing. David Hale did a, did a thread earlier this week this week about effectively the cost of independence for Notre Dame based on their TV deals. They are, it's costing Notre Dame about $6 million in in annual value for them to be independent. They make some, something along the lines of like 15, 15 or $16 million off of their Notre Dame deal. And then they add a couple, a couple million dollars off of their like assorted, um, non-football sports that are in the ACC. Uh, the uh, ACC pays out about 20 some million dollars plus, you know, the non-rev share uh, for non-football sports. All in all, they, they're paying about $6 million to be independent. Is that a cost that Notre Dame wants to continue to eat? Is that something that they continue to think has value? That is not really for us to evaluate and say that's more of a Jack Swarbrick conversation. Um, I do know, I, I, I do feel, let me, let me use better words because I have no sources. I do feel that if you can make the revenue proposition here 
a little sweeter with Notre Dame in the conference and you can shore up that not only that $6 million gap, but make them see that that gap would double or triple if they didn't join the conference um, and they were shut out from playoff access even further, uh, despite them, you know, there's especially with the 12 team playoff coming, I think there's some, there's some merit to that. It's possible. I mean, they're locked in until 36. Their grant of rights can't go anywhere other than the ACC until 36 and the media rights deal for the ACC expires in 32. So it's got to be the ACC. It can't be anywhere else. I wish we could tell them to shove off with this five ACC games a year nonsense. Like, to be fair, in their defense, they were having trouble scheduling November games. From from what I've been reading, before they signed the scheduling deal, they were having trouble scheduling November games that get. And so, having those five ACC games on their schedule gives them, you know, it's a revenue sharing agreement effectively for those games. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's obviously true. And I'm, and I'm not going to dispute that, but it, it hamstrings the conference, right? Cause <laughs> what are you going to do Add a 16th team? And then, Oh, now we got to add Notre Dame. And then it's 17. And then you're, what, what are you doing? You're, you're cutting Memphis adrift on a raft. Not that that's going to happen. I, I, I highly doubt. Yes. Noted, noted <laughs> Atlantic coastline haver Memphis. Yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. Or, or Cincinnati or UCF, because because after <laughs> after West Virginia and Notre Dame, Cincinnati, yes, but that's a group of five school. Like after that, like where are you turning? Out to the Texas schools? Like that that's completely unreliable. Even even at a basketball level, right? Like it, sending women's basketball to Waco or Manhattan, Kansas, or Stillwater or whatever. Also get, think about the amount of money that they have to spend on rebranding the conference. Billable oh, yeah. hours. Billable hours remain undefeated. They can't call it the Atlantic Coast Conference anymore. Which just just dust off the old Metro Conference branding from the dustbin. Which uh, no, we're not doing that either. Um, again, we we have no better sources than you. This is just us spitballing because it's interesting. Uh, Notre Dame, West Virginia, I, I don't – maybe Cincinnati. I don't think anyone else is out there that would shift the needle and be productive for the conference, right? Like, like <laughs> you can't really do anything more than that. Like, it, it – I, I don't know. And nothing's going to move the needle in our favor the way a Texas and an Oklahoma are going to move the needle for the SEC. And the same is true for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. There is no combination of Texas Tech, Baylor, uh, top G5 programs, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State, that is going to – Oklahoma State – that is going to suddenly make the Big Ten now equal with this 16-team behemoth in the southeast or, oh. or sending them out west. Like, that's so, just not happening. So here's my, here's my piece with, with that point. I think – I think I don't necessarily think you're right with the Pac-12 because that that revenue that that revenue gap is a lot larger. Um, I think that they can close that gap with adding some of the Texas schools. Um, really, I, I, mean, I think that well, not close it entirely, but at least make it a at least comparable to the ACC's gap because you're, I, you right now you're talking about the the big uh, the Big Ten and the SEC being those top two in terms of rev, like revenue share per school. Then the ACC is is number three or tier two, and then 
the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are far below, right? The Pac-12 now has an opportunity to redo all of those TV deals and also do away with the Pac-12 network or at least give it to ESPN or Fox and have them produce it so that that cost comes off of the books. It's not, it, it doesn't hamper conference revenue. And then also if they add teams, they have more product to sell to ESPN and Fox and be like, we're not going to put this on a channel that no one gets anymore. And we also have more teams. So let's renegotiate this deal and see where, where we can, where we can improve it. The, the problem with the, the big 12 is gone. Like the, the, it's not going to survive this. It's not going to survive at eight teams. It's a, it's a 12 team conference name that has been at 10 for the past decade. Um, I don't think that they, they backfill with G5 teams. I think all those schools look to bolt. I, I don't see any way that this ends with, with five conferences in the power in, as autonomous conferences again. Um, I, I really do think that adding some of those Texas schools is going to help the PACs, the, the PACs revenue deal. But the problem with that is that the PAC has just a very aggressive like, I don't know what it is. And this is just discussions that I've been reading through in, in Discord and, and online. The PAC has a very vehement distaste for the religious schools. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. I'm not even going to pretend to speculate. But so you're tossing out effectively. You're tossing out just in, in Baylor and TCU um, yeah. at a high level. Uh, so what does that leave? Oklahoma State and crap. Who might go? Yeah, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech are going to the Pac-12. Like, okay, that's now puts you at Pac-14. Maybe you bring in a Colorado State to finish the spice of Colorado. Maybe you bring in Wyoming to sort of lock down the Rockies, everything west of the Rockies. What about Boise? Like, I feel like there has to be a better option. Or Boise. Add uh, something in your footprint. Like, yeah, or Boise. I mean, if you add Nevada and you add Bo – like, there's ways that the Pac can get – get to 14 or 16 and expand their revenue share. Like I, I genuinely think that they can be, be competitive with adding some of these schools, but at, at the well, end of the day, say having more product equals more money at some fundamental level too. Well, yes. So, but also, but does that increase outweigh adding all these schools too, you know, cause the, the pie is getting split more and more ways. Yeah. But it's it just, it's an optimization problem, right? It's, it is it is like to make Correct. it sound it is it's how many more teams can you add until like the revenue share like you you don't gain substantially in revenue share right it's it's something that george uh Klyavkov, who's the new commissioner of the pac-12 is gonna have to gonna have to deal with i mean he's, he's already, already thinking about putting the he's already thinking about putting the putting the you know the headquarters in Vegas instead of uh instead of San Francisco if that's what I if I was reading that correctly so it's been a busy July busy first month of the job for George I mean this is a ridiculously eventful uh silly season for sure I mean since baseball ended what three four weeks ago it, it's just been one thing um, after another, after another, after another. So what yeah. will August hold? Hopefully just normalcy. God. Here, uh -huh. here's my piece. Just circle back. Circle this back to the ACC. 
Um, do, do you have anything on the ACC specifically left? Because I, I have a bit that I want to I do. I mean, I got my West Virginia in. I got my Notre Dame in. After that, the options steadily get worse after maybe a Cincinnati. Like that, that's what I got. Okay. Here's my thing. I don't think the ACC makes a move. And here's why. It's the optimization problem that we just talked about with, with the Pac-12. Even with West Virginia and Notre Dame, I don't think they have they make enough money with and because they can renegotiate the TV deal. Even if even if you add West Virginia and Notre Dame, I don't think that they can make up the shortfall. Right now, we talked about the SEC's. Well, we talked about the SEC's payout, but we haven't really put a dollar number on it. The SEC's payout in 2023 with ESPN and the mouse and all all that all that deal going into effect. You're talking about 50 million dollars per team. The ACC on average is at what, what, $25 million per team? Ish. Weren't we at 23 last year? Something like that. And then, yeah, you're at, you're at 25 or 23. You have to make up about a $25 million shortfall to compete with the SEC. So let's just like, we don't have to go full SEC because obviously the product is quote unquote not as good. Fair point. Let's say you only want to get to $40 million per team per year. You still have to make up $15 million. I don't think that West Virginia and Notre Dame get you there. I think there are other steps that you can take to get you there. I, I think Kiefer from the, from the writer's room had a good point is that the, the, the network is owned by the conference, right? The ACC network is owned by the conference, not ESPN. So any better ad revenue that they get, any better ad deals that they cut, that revenue goes straight to the schools. So that's a place that they can improve. Another place is if they get picked up by Comcast, which that deal is still in progress. I think Jim Phillips reported on it during media days. Um, if they get onto Comcast and then they get onto not just the Comcast sports package lineup, but they get onto the main line, same as ESPN lineup, that's another revenue stream. It's possible that Notre Dame gets them there. There's a couple of numbers that, that Kiefer provided um, as well, like, Getting on Comcast main lineup would be worth uh, $252 million to the channel. Uh, ESPN obviously gets a cut of that for running the uh, for for running the, the production, but the rest of it would go would be paid out to the schools. Right. So I have no idea where that number comes from. I'm gonna be completely honest. Oh, I have no idea where it comes from either. But like even if we're taking that as fact and you say that ESPN takes a 20% cut, let's do some napkin math here you're talking about there's no way you do this on a real napkin oh no i'm doing it uh, via spotlight so you're talking about if espn takes a 20 percent cut of that out of that number you're talking about 200 million dollars roughly uh that's going to that that's going to the conference that's going to the schools dividing that by the now 16 team payout is about 12 million dollars it's not bad it's not bad but you're remember your existing payout is decreasing once you add those teams. So now you, it, it, it's, it's a moving target is what I'm saying. There are things yep. that you can do to hit the target, but it's like hitting a bullet with a smaller bullet whilst wearing a blindfold while riding a horse. Yeah. It's tough. So I don't think that they make, I don't think that they make the move. I, I really don't. I think and Notre Dame is going to value independence too much. And then for like the, the value of adding West Virginia does not make sense fiscally. Yeah. I, it, I mean, I love that we have the perk of talking about this with stability. And I, I know that 
if all these schools were not locked up with quite the extent that they are, Clemson, Florida State would be in the oh, mix. Absolutely. I, I, I wish that Georgia Tech would be on that list, but I know in my heart of hearts that we would be way down, way down that list of being asked. Because let's face it, Clemson is the bigger brand by a lot at this point. So I guess it keeps the band together, but. It keeps the band together by threat, though. Is the, is yeah. the thing, right? Because you, if, if the ACC TV deal works the exact same way as the, as the Big 12 TV deal, and I'm making a very large assumption with that, um, the grant of rights, the, the exit fee is going to be the TV revenue, the annual TV revenue share that the team receives. The problem with the, with the way that, the, that Texas and Oklahoma are able to get out of this for the, the big 12 is that their grant of rights ends in 2025. So that's four years of TV revenue, right? Four years yeah. of TV revenue that they have to pay out and their TV deal is worse. So I think the number that was floated around per team was about $150 million. For Texas and Oklahoma donors, like bolstered with oil money, that's not a lot of money. It's, it's really not a lot of money. So what you're telling me is we need to Peloton guy our way into the SEC. Sure. But, but, but my point is our TV deal doesn't end in 2025. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it ends in 20, or 2032. So yeah. you're looking at an extra seven years of TV rev at a higher rate that you would have to pay out of pocket in order to cut and run. That's yeah. it's, it's you're you're ruling by fear is not the right word. You're ruling by fiscal might. Like, yep. that, that is the one thing. If I can give Swafford credit for one thing, I guess it's going to be two things in a minute here. But if I could give credit Swafford for a couple of things here, it's that he locked the membership and Notre Dame into this plan because Notre Dame's grant of rights, like we said earlier, is locked in until 2036. The only conference that they can join until 2036, until they, unless they pay the ACC an absurd number uh, amount of money, is going to be the ACC. So how do we navigate this situation is the next, is the next bit. I will note, and this is something that came up on Twitter, again, posting, posting, posting. <laughs> if you look at the SEC's uh, organizational, like the conference documents, they don't have an exit fit. They, they don't have an exit fit for their grant of rights. They don't, uh, for the conference. Because here's the thing, they know that they're the biggest college football media entity, even if even if maybe the big is technically right now, the Big Ten is technically right now by media value. They know that they're the biggest college football media entity and the biggest college football market. They know that if a, if a school leaves, 30 will be in their place immediately. So it's it, it's basically F around and find out for anyone that wants to leave, leave the SEC. Like, okay. I don't, we don't really care about your revenue stream. Someone else will come and put, pick up the slack. Do you think we would even worry about this if we never left the SEC? No, because we'd be Vanderbilt, just sort of watching the smoke and fire. Fair. Uh, okay, I say Vanderbilt in terms of not necessarily, there's a quality argument that we have to talk about that like pro where the program would be at, but like effectively Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not, Vanderbilt is like, the most academic school in that conference or like least sports performing, let's say they're not worried about getting kicked out. I don't think we would either. I mean, I wouldn't worry about being kicked out. I, I just mean like, would, would Joe blow casual fan you and me 
like, yeah, we're in the SEC already. Like, does it matter? Because at, at some level, that's how I take this realignment. Like, we're in the ACC. The network's not going anywhere. Like, I, I have two more pieces to say on this. I'll, I'll see you on Labor Day for, for kickoff against NIU, you know? like Yeah, so I have two more pieces to say on this. Number one, and I think I said this in, in Slack earlier in the writer's room, I was it really sucks that ESPN is pulling the strings here. And you know oh, it's ESPN yeah. because they, they have a virtual monopoly on the entire industry, right? They yep. have a TV deal with almost every conference. Even the Big 12 or the Big 10 and the Pac-12 can't be fully rid of ESPN. They ha- like, or they can't be fully into Fox because they have to be plugged into the media machine that is ESPN so that they get a, like whatever paltry amount of media coverage that they get. Yep. It, it's like uh, like an indulgence. They're paying an indulgence to the Mickey Mouse m- network. Yeah, it, it stinks because it's like it, it's a. If this was any other industry, if this was like an actual industry and mindshare was like actually regulated, this would be a Sherman Act violation. Yep, like, it's just it's monopoly power, and ESPN's looking at the purse strings and looking at the situation with each conferences and just tipping over dominoes, and it sucks. Networks, bowls. Playoff. The, yeah, the, the playoff freaking, is entirely ESPN. Collection show, right? Like, you, you whole, can't turn anywhere else. Like, there's there's no – we are never going back to the era of you can tune into Jefferson Pilot for, you know, three games on a Saturday. Like, it, it, it's just not the world anymore. It sucks. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm about to go turn on ESPN right now, and I can still say it sucks. Like, I watch Olympics time, my guy. No, we are we are past. We've missed all of the Olympics coverage uh, verbally posting today, um, but it's just it stinks. It stinks because you know that ESPN. You don't even have to be a conspiracy theorist to to think this. ESPN is the one like tipping the dominoes here because they look at media rights and they whisper in ears and are like, "Hey." ESP that that hey sure is interesting how that uh, Big Twelve media share that revenue share that you get is uh is a little tiny isn't it? And then what are they going to do with the Longhorn Network? They have a whole TV channel. Where's that going? Oh, that's that's gone. That's gone. But you're also betting. You're also getting fifty million dollars a year from the mouth. Oh, yeah. yeah. The I, I think the thing that is most bizarre about this is like part of me would be like excited to see to see some realignment. I would love to see AM Texas, Texas, Arkansas back on the schedule. But like Oklahoma, they don't have any uh, other than Texas and, and AM, they don't have, and I guess maybe Missouri, they don't have that like long-standing history with it, with any of those teams, right? I will, say, I will say it's intentionally funny. Texas play South Carolina in 40 years. Well, I'm, maybe not 40, but like in like eight years when they actually get to play each other. Who knows? But pods, Jake, but pods. The thing is, though, with the Notre Dame, not so much Notre Dame, but like West Virginia, a move like that would make me legitimately excited. I I know that's a weird double standard to have, but like, and- One makes, one makes like, the thing is like, as a history buff, you see that, that potential for historic rivalries to be, to be reignited. And you're like, okay, now I'm excited about this change because it brings a familiar, familial hate right back into the fold. Whereas you look at o- uh, Oklahoma effectively using Texas as a meat shield, 
as someone noted on Twitter. I think it was Richard Johnson noted on Twitter for this whole escapade. Yep. And Oklahoma is just it doesn't have any sort of relationship with like art. Like you can say that it has a relationship with Arkansas from the Southwest Conference, but no, they weren't even in the Southwest Conference together. It was Arkansas and the Texas schools. Yeah, I mean, like you can go maybe that far, like to make yep. that leap. But maybe Missouri, Big Twelve, Big yeah, Eight, you can say Missouri like, and A and M. But like, you can't really make that argument for the for the rest of them and. It's just a, I think the thing that sucks most, uh, other than the ESPN bit, is that this is just like a revenue decision, right? It's it's all a money, moneyed decision, especially for Oklahoma. Like it's a blatantly money co- competitive decision. I mean, and and then you can completely unpack the why. Why does Arkansas or Mississippi State or, or South Carolina or Kentucky ever say yes to one of these? There, there's there's so many levels of of just I don't know. It's never going to be 2008 ever again. But the more important thing is, especially for a guy like me and and to an extent a guy like you, it's never going to be 1962 ever again either. Georgia Tech is never going to have a schedule that includes Tennessee, Georgia. Clemson, Duke, Auburn, Vandy, like at the same time ever again, like that, that is just not the world we live in anymore where you play six conference games and then you play five games against anyone. And those six conference games are your historic rivals anyways, you know, like that's. It stinks. The whole thing stinks and it's going to get worse. There's no way it gets better. Well, I I had this, I mentioned this earlier and, and I, or actually you mentioned this earlier. Imagining if Clemson's uh, Clemson and the ACC's grant of rights expired in 2025 too. Think about what happens. <laughs> the, the, they're not the, a new the market, super league thing that, I, that got completely busted up in, in May in Europe because of uh, UEFA action happens. Yeah. It would happen. So and there's no saving that off for a decade. Oh yeah. And, and there's no, the NCAA has, has no power to be like, all right, go back to where you came from. Um, what was I going to say? We have to tie this in because the nature of our podcast to what that also means for basketball. I think, I know this isn't on our sheet and it is one thing I want to get in there before we go. Football gets the vast majority of our attention of media attention. Yeah. Even even though we try and, you know, we just spent an hour of tonight, of your nights or days or whenever you're listening to this talking about baseball, right? We try and do that. We talk about track. We talk about swimming, whatever. Um, even a sport like basketball seen as, oh, like that's the one where the underdogs always get it, yada, yada, yada. 2011, big effect on, on what we see today. And that's only going to get more and more true where you see Conference schedules getting bigger and bigger, less non-con regular season, more, hey, Georgia Tech, you're going to go play a game. I guess we kind of have a nice little broiling blood going on with Syracuse these days. But hey, Georgia Tech, you're going to go play Boston College twice. Okay, that doesn't get me going, right? <laughs> and, and I guess it's a little bit different since we don't have quite the same historic, weird, identity fractured crisis that we do in football where it's like, ah. Oh, Remember when we played Auburn all the time? No, like basketball is a little bit different. It's hey, like it, it's Duke, it's Notre Dame, it's Clemson, you know. Um, but you're in the you, Premier Basketball Conference, so it doesn't matter. And it doesn't. It, 
on that level, it doesn't matter, but it still erodes the, hey, non-con, go, go play Tennessee, or hey, you're going to let in, like, frankly, this is a bit of a hot take. I don't mind playing mid-majors. I, I grew up rooting for a mid-major. Like, I, I, I like seeing that cross-play, and as conference conferences get bigger, as we see in football going to eight, nine games, like, you're not going to see, it, it becomes less and less likely that the USFs of the world get, get to play at Georgia Tech in, in football or the, I guess, Wichita's in the American now, so that's not a good combo. But, but you know, like, say St. Louis, like Atlantic 10, your VCU Rams, whatever, playing Illinois or, or Georgia Tech VCU, that was a fun game. You know, you, you get what I'm trying to say with this, right? Like the, the trickle effects, football is the most poignant because the most of that schedule is the conference schedule. There's only 12 games, but the same knock-on effects just happen across the board. And it, it's just, it, it's just demoralizing, you know? The, the irony of your statement, I think, is that Texas and Oklahoma are actually, actually improve the SEC's stature in a number of non-rep sports. Oh, I would yeah. say they, like, they are now a swimming power conference. I mean, they were already the power conference in swimming, but yeah, I, I, no, no, no. but like we're talking like pack, like they are equivalent to the yes. pack now, top top to bottom. Um, like baseball, their baseball profile increases dramatic, like not dramatic. They, they were already the best in baseball. <laughs> it's like not even fair. Their basketball profile goes up too. The basketball profile goes up pretty significantly because yeah. Texas and Oklahoma are usually pretty decent. Well, um, hey, you, you can slot. Texas and Oklahoma. They're softball, they're softball programs. Oh, Oklahoma yeah. softball by itself. Well, that's the best, that's the best program in the country. Like, yeah, they go into the go into the SEC. It's like, it raises the profile of that conference and softball too. It, it actually helps in a lot good. of other. It, it helps in a lot of other spaces. Like, it, 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 like I get your scheduling argument, but it, from a competitive standpoint, some of these non-rev sports or even some of the rev sports like like basketball, like. It kind of does, like the shoe kind of fits. I'm not I mean, saying it's a good thing, but I, I don't think that shoots down my argument that you no, know, I don't think it does at all. It definitely makes for Bryce is not going to be playing Texas nearly as much or, or or something like that, or you know Tulsa, Oklahoma, like that. That's I, I don't know. Obviously, I see sports, and a lot of people see sports with historic, nostalgic, some sort of blinder in some sense. And I, I, I don't know, like, not that this is inevitable. It's sad that it kind of feels inevitable, but you know, sports are about money. That's where we're at. College athletics has always been about money. Don't let anyone else tell you anything, any better. It was never about amateurism. It's never about purity of sport. It's always been about money. Speaking of, um, before we, I guess, wrap this up. I was in Philadelphia this weekend and I found our favorite lecturer uh, at Georgia Tech on the likes of amateurism, whatnot, uh, and pay in college sports. Not one, not one, but two uh, Johnny Smith, Georgia Tech uh, sports history professor books at this random antique bookshop as well as two of my uh, ME professors had uh, random engineering books in the store. So, you know, that's, you never know when you're going to run into the tech connection. It's very odd. 
I feel like sometimes you go looking for that. It's very weird. I mean, I went, I went to the sports section and then I went to the engineering section. That's what I'm interested in. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I wasn't going to buy a cookbook. What a multi-sport athlete here. <laughs> Truly an, a multi-interest athlete. Mechanical design and baseball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've been sitting here for almost two hours. We need to, it, it's, it's Olympics time. It's bedtime, man. We're working, man, now. It's Monday night. My, my guy, 4 a.m. wake-up call, U.S. Women's National Team. Let's party. All right. I'll see you in six hours. You absolutely will not. You will not because I will be up. I will not. <laughs> okay. uh, we will see everyone next week. Or I guess when you – I don't know. Listen to the other part of the episode. We, we'll didn't, we, didn't, do an, we, we didn't do an outro for that one. Go, like an hour and a half ago. Like. Go, go listen to the other one. Or if you, or if you're listening to this, or if you're listening to that one, go listen to this one. I don't know. Figure it out. It's late. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs>